Um, we also want to take some time to honor our first responders that have been working like um, double shifts or um, ex extra days, even on their days off they've been working. So we want to honor them. So please welcome with us Brielle and Elijah, who oh, are going to honor. So cute. Look at that. So cute, yeah. How are you guys? You guys ready? Okay. Okay, go ahead, Brielle. When I start my tour of duty, God, wherever crime may be, as I walk the darkened streets alone, let me be close to Thee. Please give my understanding with both the young and old. Let me listen with attention until their stories told. Let me never make a judgment in rash or callous way, but let me hold my patience, let each man have his say. Lord, is some dark and dreary night. I must give my life, Lord, with your everlasting love. Protect my family and those in my life. Thank you, Brielle. That's awesome. And now we have our, our fireman's prayer. Go ahead, Elijah. When I'm called to duty, God, whatever flames me rage, give me the strength to save some life, whatever be its age. Help me to embrace a little child before it's too late, or some older person from the horror of that fate. Enable me to be alert and hear the weakest shout, and quickly and efficiently to put the fire out. I want to fill my callings and give the best in me, to guard my neighbor and protect his property. And if according to your will, I will have to lose my life, please bless with the protecting hands special people in my life. Thank you, Elijah. That was well done. Thank you so much. So thank you to all our first responders and our military and our many volunteers that are going out there into the community and being lights. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Gabrielle and Elijah. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in receiving the offering terms, we could say it like this, wherever your, whatever you value, that will be reflected, that will be evident in your giving. And it has been so clear, especially these last couple of weeks where your hearts are, and that is to love and to care for others. Because of your giving, because you continue to give, as you heard in the announcements, we have been able to minister to, to share the love of Jesus, to serve, to care for many people, not only in the shelters, but people here in our church, and we've also been hosting uh, a charter school here. It's been great fun. And the first day of school, I had a few kids come and give me big hugs because they go to church here and they felt so comfortable and loved by getting to come back to their home church. So I want you all to know how very important you have been in reaching our community, not only for the Lord, but in providing for their needs. And um, in Philippians 4, Paul is commending the church there, not only for taking care of him, but for being such generous givers. And he says to them in verse 19, and this is for not only the giver, but for those who receive. My God shall supply all your needs according to, your rich, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When we give, the promise is that we will receive. 
And when we receive, we get to give. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we get to be a part not only of providing meals, not only of volunteering, not only of hosting a school, not only of caring for children, we get to be a part of eternal purposes that you have during this time and for this place. And we thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that you would remind each person in this room that you are a provider, that you will supply all our needs, and that when we give, we receive. Lord Jesus, bless this offering. Multiply it and use it mightily for your kingdom. Lord, give us vision, continued vision. Give us direction and how we minister to others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this precious church. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we have been in a series called the master's class and this morning pastor sheldon is going to share about eyes that see we are doing eye exams right after service just in case just in case now i'm at that place in life right now where i'm right in between actually i'm in, I'm in denial I, I i probably need glasses it's interesting that when the, the farther you go the right it's why do we why do we like that's that by this time it's get glasses already I'm okay, at, like right here, I'm okay. So we all have that, that stage of life or that time in life where we may need glasses. There may be some of us that don't need glasses, and, and so that's fine. But we all see things differently. We all see things from our, from our perspectives. We all have different perspectives. And when we grow up in the world, we are given a perspective now, we're all going to have different perspectives because of how we've grown up, different cultures or where we're from. We all have different perspectives. You may have different perspectives within your very own family. One child may think this way. Another child may think this way. You have different perspectives as parents and, and, and how you discipline your children. One parent says you just have to ground them, scold them, put them in timeout. The other parent is like, timeout? Timeout? What, what is timeout going to do? Lick them. So you have different perspectives. Every single person's perspective is correct to them. It is accurate to them because that's the perspective we've been brought up with. That's, that's the perspective we've learned. So how do we know what perspective is correct? Well, in the master's class, when we talk about God being the master and us being a part of his classroom, he is constantly teaching us about his perspective. And part of learning about his perspective is not just learning his perspective, it's actually unlearning our perspective that we've been brought up with or the perspective that we've grown to like. Now, some of us, we actually have a perspective that is a godly perspective and, and that may have been given to us from our parents or maybe we've been attending church or we read the Bible. But there are some of us whose perspective is, is part of God's perspective. And God gives us a way of thinking, not so that we can just make up our own perspective and then just live life according to how we want it to, but he gives us a way to have a perspective so that we don't get caught off guard by what is taking place. Because if we have the perspective that God has, then no matter what problems we face, we're able to handle them, tackle them, and sometimes solve them because our perspective is not skewed by what is taking place. We're all going to have problems. We all encounter various types of problems, and we all have the kinds of problems that 
everyone else is also dealing with. But more than just having problems, we want to know how do we deal with them? What perspective should we have? What kind of eyes should we have when we view something? And, and what do we do when we encounter a problem that changes our lives and takes us away or takes us, has the potential to remove us further and further away from God? What do we do with that? See, I think God gives us a perspective so that when we reach that, that, that place where God is teaching us, we can now use it for Him. We can now live the life that He promised us. Otherwise, we just, if we just base our perspective on what's happening, then our perspective will change all the time. When I was a child, and I think many of us may have said this before, while we were growing up, I said this to my mom because I would get grounded. You know, I would get spankings. I would, you know, she would... Uh, make sure I'm, I don't go to the movies or the beach because I was misbehaving. So that would take place. And so I would say this to my mom, and I would say this often. I said, Mom, when I get children, one day, I, would, I will let them do whatever they want to do. That's what I said. I think we all may have said that. Mom, if, when, when I become a dad, I am going to let my children do whatever they want. I'm not going to restrict them from doing the fun things that you are restricting me from. Why can't I climb the telephone pole? They put the sticks on them so that I can climb it. Why can't I climb to the top of the tree and jump off with a parachute? Why can't I do that? Like, Mom, you're ruining my fun. Why can't I dodge cars? That's our perspective. But then as we grow up, as parents... Then we begin to understand that the perspective is not about taking away fun. It's about safety and making sure our children are okay, giving them a life to live, uh, giving them wisdom. It's more than just existing, but we don't come to that place until we have a parent's perspective. And so it is with God. When we grow up in the world and when we want to do our own thing, not until we get the father's perspective or have the father's perspective do we begin to understand the greater things in life? And so he wants to teach us what it looks like when it's his perspective, not just what we see. He wants to give us eyes that see. Not just to exist, but a perspective that is, that is more like his than our very own. In the book of Luke, Jesus, Jesus speaks this, and, and he gives a kind of like a an illustration on what perspective should look like and, and how we battle with that and why we battle with it. So you can take out your notes, and it's in your notes. It'll be up here on the screen or our church app, and you can follow along. But, but Jesus says this, and, and Luke is recording this. Who is, he is the author of the book of Luke, and he is a doctor. So he writes what Jesus spoke, and this is what Jesus said. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar nor under a basket but on a lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. Now, the eye is the lamp of your body, and when your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. And then Jesus says this, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. It's interesting that Jesus phrased it that way because it sounds like, well, how can light be darkness if light is light? How can that be? I thought light and darkness cannot coexist. Well, we have our own light, as it were, like our own wisdom, our own way of thinking, our own perspective. And that's what Jesus is referring to, that which is our perspective. So it could be a worldly 
perspective. It's our worldly habits, the way we've been uh, uh, transitioning or transforming into the ways of the world. We, we want to do our own thing that is different from God. Or maybe our ideas. We have our own ideas that we've always known or we've learned it from upbringing or from the world. Whatever it is, God is saying there's some type of light in you that you're looking at. And you're using that to influence you to make decisions. But it's not my light. It's your own light. We know that Christ is the true light. He, he is accurate in everything, and his wisdom is beyond human comprehension. That's why we go to him for wisdom. And Christ is that true light, which our perspective should be. When, when the word seller is used, and when Jesus says, you don't, you don't put the light in a seller, you don't, you don't do that. You, you put it in a place for all to see. A seller is, is significant in this way that Jesus is using it because you don't put a lamp in the cellar. A cellar is a hidden dark place. That's where, like a wine cellar, you, you, you put things there that is hidden from everyone else. So you're not going to put light in the cellar. I mean, you can use light to go down into the cellar, but you don't leave it there. Why? Because light is useless, hidden. And so Jesus says, why are you hiding that light? It should be in the place where everyone needs it. It should be in the place where everyone is gathering. That's what the light is for. It's so that you can see it, so that your perspective will be accurate. And sometimes we hide that light. And that cellar represents a hidden location, that we hide that light something that is hidden. Some, maybe it's our secret thoughts. Maybe it's our, the, the plans that we have or the purpose that we have. It's a, the secret thoughts of a person's heart. We hide that, and sometimes because we're ashamed of it. But when it comes to perspective, the things that are hidden out of a sense of shame is what Jesus is referring to, the light that is in darkness. It's to keep from being seen. And so we hide things. It's also our point of view, our perspective, a position or perspective from which something is considered or evaluated. That's what our perspective is all about. We evaluate certain things due to our perspective, how we think about certain things, and then we make decisions based on that. And most of the time, we, we tend to hide what we're ashamed of. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, the first human beings recorded in the Bible, that when they sinned against God, they hid from him because they were ashamed. And we do the very same thing. When we do something shameful, we hide, we lie. We don't want to come out and say things because we're shame. We're ashamed of it. But then, depending on what light we allow into us, that's what's going to influence us. So if it's the light of the world, it's, it's, it's the kind of wisdom that comes from the world, that's what is going to influence us if we allow that to come in. So we may do things, we may bring things out of hiding the world's way because we may think, well, the world says it's okay, so I should no longer be ashamed of this. I can now just be whoever I want to be because, oh, the world says it's okay. Or, or even sitcoms and movies, they say, no, you're okay, you're okay. If you feel this way, and that's your perspective, then be that way. Do whatever you want to do. Why? Because that's your perspective. So we think that's the light. Oh, that's wisdom. And so every person can do whatever they want because of the way we feel. Now, 
Here's what happens. And this is, what, this is where I don't think the world understands. When someone says, no, but this is how I feel. This is my perspective, so I'm right. And someone says, well, then everyone else, you need to change your perspective so that you can accept that person's perspective. Okay, because you're okay. We, we should respect you, so you're, you're fine with where you're at. You're correct. Oh, yeah, but I think differently. Oh, no, but your perspective is fine, too. So you can think the way you do, and so your perspective is correct. Your perspective is correct. Just don't offend each other. So don't say anything to offend each other. So now your, your way is correct. Your way is correct. Your way. Okay, so we all have six billion different perspectives, and all of our ways are all correct, and we all disagree. That's the direction the world is going because of how you feel. And so if each individual is correct, who is right? Where, where do we go from there? And so God says, how about, how about I just bring in my perspective because I'm always right. I'm true. I am correct. I never change. I don't change because of how you feel. You change because I am truth. Have you ever been in a car where five people know the right way to drive to where you're going? Oh, it's chaos. You need one person to know accurately where you're going and how to get there, and then everyone else just follow along. Marriages get torn apart by GPS. And one person navigating, one person driving, and they're disagreeing. So who's going to be accurate? Well, God has to be the one who is accurate. He gives us his wisdom because when our perspective is healthy, so will the rest of our life be healthy. But it needs to come from him. That's what Jesus was saying. If the eye is healthy, then you'll be able to see clearly. And Luke, as he's writing this, he intends to exhort. He intends for this to be an exhortation scripture. He intends for this to be uplifting and, and building us up and helping to release the best in us to encourage us to bring out the best. That's what Jesus was speaking. That's why when Jesus said, then watch out, he uses that phrase to mean to look out or to consider. That's the light in you is darkness. And what that means is, if you don't have my perspective, you're going to begin to think that the light that is in you is correct. That you're going to believe that what you think is light is the right way to go, but in reality, the light that is in you is really darkness. And he's saying that's where your perspective will be thrown off because you think that's the correct way to think. See, when you have light within yourself, which means we, may, we don't know Jesus yet, but we do our very best to do well. We try to do good works. So we try to do things that, that uh, help other people. We have, we have that, that perspective inside of us, so that, that little bit of light is there, but it's not God's light. But it, it does mean that we can at least be bright. But even in that, even though we have that order in us that seems good, if our heart is truly receptive of light, then we have no problems receiving Jesus Christ into our hearts. But if we think the light that we have is the true light, how great is that darkness? And Jesus says, you need me to come in because I am the true light, and I will light up the, your entire life and give you a great perspective. 
And so once we receive that true light, which is Christ, now we're able to have his perspective. And when it comes to problems we face, we can now manage them better. And more often than not, we're even able to solve some of the biggest, the biggest problems that we face in life. And here's why. We're, go- we're going to look at three, three things that will help us. And here's the first thing. To have eyes that see and our perspective, we got to remember that God is bigger. Bigger than any problems we face. He's so much bigger and so much greater, and we tend to forget that. I like this phrase. I've, I've seen this before. You might have heard this before, but when your problems tell you how big they are, introduce them to the God who's bigger than it. You just introduce your problems to the God who is bigger than it. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 1, it starts off sounding almost like a parent. Listen, it says, listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. In other words, the Bible is saying God is not too far, nor is he not able to hear your prayers, or he's too weak to help you. But we have to come to him. When my son was growing up, he's 30 now, so now he's 30. So it makes me feel older. But when he was a little kid and he would ride around the neighborhood uh, with his friends, his bike, and they would be riding bike, there were a couple times when he would bring his friend to our house because something broke on the bike, like a chain. And you know when your pant, your, your pant leg gets stuck in the chain because there's no chain guard, because it wasn't cool to have a chain guard? So their pants would get stuck, and he would bring them to our house, and he would say, Dad, my friend's chain came off. His pants got stuck in it. We're trying to fix it. So I, I, I help him with it, take, take the uh, pant part off, and everything's fine. And then the chain, you know, you have to put that, the chain back on the sprocket. So he got it back running. And so they're fine. They're good to go. And I told him, what you have to do is you have to roll up the right side of your pant leg, and that's, that's to keep it from going into the chain. As they're riding away, my son says this. He says, he says, I told you my dad could fix it. He can do anything. Well, that's right. Tell all your friends that. But that's why I felt so honored. I felt like I could do anything. But to them, that was like the end of the world. My chain is broken. I can't ride my bike anymore. But I had the wisdom required to help fix it. And that's who God is to us. He is honored when we come to him and say, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm dealing with. And God is so much bigger than our problems. Our problems, when we face them, sometimes we face them alone. And we go through many difficulties in life, and we want to give up because we forget how big God is. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, Paul is exhorting, he's, he's encouraging, he's lifting up the church in Ephesus, and he says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to, full, to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. See, it's his power at work in us. It's not our power working out of us. It's his power within us. That's why he's bigger than our problems. We're not bigger than our problems. Sometimes we are the problem, and God says, let me help you. Let me handle it for you. Cast your burdens on me because I care for you. But we got to remember that. He's so much bigger than our problems. The second thing is not to hide the wisdom of God. And I think we tend to do this not as a result of we don't want God's wisdom, 
But it's just a part of our human nature sometimes. We're, we're just ashamed to affiliate, with our, to affiliate ourselves with Jesus Christ in certain settings. And we hide. We hide the wisdom of God. Someone is experiencing some traumatic thing, we hesitate to pray for them because we don't want to offend them. We don't know how they're going to react. And so we hide the wisdom of God. We hide the light of God. But God said that I'm going to work in and through you. It's my power at work within you. Listen, a masterpiece is not created for the basement. And the Bible says that you and I are his workmanship, created for good works, that any man should boast. In other words, God created us as a masterpiece so that we could not be ashamed of him, but so that we can say, I've been created by my master. That's, he's the artist of my life. And he's still painting. He's still sculpting. But we don't, we don't create a masterpiece of an art piece and then put it somewhere where no one sees. No, we create it so that everyone can see it. Matthew 5.14 speaks it like this, that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. While we were in Israel, we were at the Sea of Galilee, and the very city that Jesus was speaking about was up on this, this little mountain, like up on a hill. He's pointing to that city. And he's saying, you see that city up there with all those lights? And we could, I mean, we could literally see it. Back then it was candles and fire to, to have light. But he's pointing up there and he's saying that city cannot be hidden. It can't be hidden. Look, there, all the light is there. You can all see it. And no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No, they put it in a place for all to see. Why? Because light was created to shine. And Jesus says, you are the light of this world. You are the light of this world. So shine. Even if you've got to buff the head, shine. Even if you have to speak life into other people, shine. Shine in such a way that people see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, he's saying there's a reason why you shine, and it's not for you. You do this for God. When Kat was talking earlier about uh, doing things down in Pune and, and all of that, that's why we do that. It's, it's, not, it's not for us. And although we're blessed by it and people are blessed, it's, it's for God. This is why we do this. It's for him. And he says, that's how you're supposed to shine your light. It's his light. It's his wisdom. It's his perspective, his viewpoint. Don't hide that. Don't hide his perspective. Live out the wisdom of God. That's what he wants us to do. It brings the best perspective out of every single one of us. So let it shine. Let his perspective be known. Why? Because it honors God. It honors us as parents when our children shine. When our children do well, we're like, oh, my baby girl right there. Yeah, valedictorian. Yep, 4.8 she had. <laughs> we feel good. That's oh, my baby girl. That's my baby girl. Winner. She's a winner. We, li we like that. We're proud. But when they misbehave, it's like, I don't know who that. <laughs> hey, your daughter, that's what we say. Your daughter, you need to talk to your son. You know, we say that because they're misbehaving. And I would always do that in fun. We're honored as parents 
when our children do well. And that's what the Lord says. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may glorify me. Why? Because it honors me. So don't hide the wisdom of God. Don't be ashamed of who you are in Jesus Christ. And then finally, develop a healthy perspective. And only God can give us a healthy perspective, and it needs to be developed. It's not going to happen at random. It's not going to happen naturally. We have to do this on purpose. We have to, on purpose, develop a healthy perspective because it's been trained for so long, so now we have to unlearn some things. And when you have a healthy perspective, which is God's perspective, and you encounter difficulties, you're, you're able to stand because your perspective is not shaky or skewed. You have a godly perspective. But once you allow other perspectives in, then it starts to change your perspective that you had from God. It's kind of like if I, if I had you meet someone for the first time and I said, oh, hey, this is, this is Raymond. He's my friend. He's a good guy. Uh, he's, he's loving. He's caring. So you're going to work side by side with him. We're going to do some landscaping. And, and so you, you work side by side with Raymond and you're saying he's such a great person. And you, you're, you're giving all the great qualities about this guy. So when they work together, they're having fun. They're, they're, they're doing their landscaping and everything's good. They're done with work. Everything looks great. And then someone comes along after that and says, hey, so who are you working with today? Oh, I was working with Raymond. Oh, yeah, good guy, huh? Yeah, good guy, good guy. Yeah, but um, did you notice that he slacks every once in a while? What do you mean, slacks once in a while? Yeah, like every 15 minutes he takes a break. Like he's on the side drinking water every like 15, 20 minutes. Really? I didn't, I didn't notice that. Yeah, watch when you work with him tomorrow, when you work, you're going to see that. So next day, guess what happens? You go work with Raymond. Guess what you're looking for? Yeah, when he takes a break and when he drinks water, you're like, oh, yeah, he's drinking water. He drinks water again. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then you go back to the other guy and it's like, you know what? What you said was true. That's what he slacks all day. Now, what took place from one day to the next? Your perspective changed. Your perspective changed. And it happens every single day of our lives. People change our perspectives because of opinions rather than us saying, God, give me your perspective. Yeah, this guy may be slacking off here and there, but help me to see the good in them. Because if you're looking for bad, guess what you're going to see? Bad. If you're looking for good, guess what you're going to find? Good. That's why when we come home, on the way home, we're thinking, I hope they did the dishes. They better have done the dishes. Oh, they better have cleaned up. Oh, they better have made their bed. We're already thinking bad. So our children or our spouse, they could clean the whole entire house. But if you're thinking, the show you better have been put away. If it's still on the counter, everybody's dead meat. And you come home and the show you is still on the counter, well, for some of you, it's soy sauce. Soy sauce. If it's still on the counter, guess what you're going to see the first thing when you come home? Show you. That's the first thing you're going to see. And guess what happens? You go crazy. How many times did I tell you? Put the shoyu away. I'm sorry I'm using shoyu. I don't know why, but it happens. It could be other things. They could have cleaned everything, but that's the one thing we see. And everyone is crying, oh, you even appreciate me. I cleaned the room. I, I vacuumed the walls. You didn't even say thank you to the, I vacuumed the walls. Yeah, but you never put away the shoyu. So we're like, one thing. One thing. Why? Because we're set up for that. So that's our perspective. And so God says, well, I want to give you a healthy perspective. 
one that looks for the best in people. And when you have a healthy perspective, you understand this scripture, Romans 8, 28. Let's read this together. It'll be up here on the screen or in your notes. Ready? Go. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, that perspective, when God says, no, I can work all things together for good. Then we think, oh, that's great. Then work all things together for good. Stop the lava. Make it go somewhere else. Do something. And he says, yeah, I will work all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to my purpose. See, what we don't understand is that God's perspective is way different from ours. We don't know why this is happening in our community. We don't know why. It's hard to answer those questions, but all we know is this, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, which tells me not everyone will receive this promise. That all things may not be working out for everyone for good, which sounds pretty sad, but the good news is it does for those who love God. It, it does for those who, who love God who are called according to his purpose. Also, does God punish people because they don't love him? No, no, no. It's those who love him understand that he can cause all things to work together for good. That's his perspective. That becomes our perspective. When we don't know God, then the perspective is so skewed and so indifferent than how God is thinking. I can tell you this, that so far, we, we've been able, as a church, to meet one another and meet people we would never have met if we weren't serving our community in this way and feeding people in, uh, in the Pune area. We would never have met. We would never have the relationships we have today unless this took place. And not saying that God did that for this. What I am saying is there is good that comes out of this, but we don't see it. We don't see the entire picture yet. I just met someone who was coming to this church for 30 years, and I just met them because we served together the other morning. I got to meet people who have such amazing life stories as a result of this. God can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, you might be thinking, you know, I, I can only handle so many problems, and it, it seems as if the devil is out to get me. Well, there is, a, there is an adversary that we have. There's a man by the name of Joseph in the Bible and in the book of Genesis. He went, through some, he went through some adversity. He was doing well as a child, as a teenager. He had dreams for his life, shared it with his brothers, his family. But then they got jealous of him, beat him up, sold him into slavery. Now he's a slave in a man's house by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar has a wife who comes on to Joseph, and Joseph doesn't want to have anything to do with her. She accuses him of taking advantage of her, and now... Potiphar has him thrown in prison. Well, in prison, Joseph, being innocent, was still, still close to God. And in everything Joseph did, and all that he went through, God was with him. So much so that he was taken out of prison because he was the one that could interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said, go get that guy. Let's, let's hear what he has to say about my dreams. And then Joseph becomes second in command because of the things he did and the way he put together systems in the governmental system of the Egyptians that saved the, the known world from starvation because a famine came in. And Joseph put together some things that helped people, even his own brothers. And this is years later. 
almost 20 years later, that the brothers have to come to Egypt and get grain from them, and they don't notice that, the, that Joseph is their brother, second in command, but Joseph sees them, and he remembers them, he recognizes them, and they don't even recognize him. But then one day, they recognize him because he makes himself known to them, and they freak out. And they gather together, and they say, wait a minute, you know, what if he, what if he takes revenge on us? Well, how about we say, hey, dad said, yeah, let's, let's use that. So they come to Joseph, and they say, hey, Joseph, dad said, you know, before he passed away that, you know, you should, you should find it in your heart to forgive us, you know, because that was dad's last wish. Now, Joseph, he's, he knows, he's on to them, and he says this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know what Joseph was saying? And here's what I want us to catch. Problems don't ruin what's in our lives. But our perspective can. Problems don't ruin us. But our perspective can. It's how we view things. And no matter how difficult life was for Joseph, he stuck close by God, and he had God's perspective. There's another man by the name of David who became the second king of Israel. David went through some hardships. He went through some difficulties. But he, too, kept his eyes on God. And, and even at a young age of being the king, he was able to endure the most trying seasons because of his perspective. That's why he could write most of the Psalms that we have in the Bible. Just read the book of Psalms. You'll see the heart's cry of someone who is determined to stay close to God. But he writes the 23rd Psalm. We, we know it as the shepherd's psalm. And he ends it in this way. In fact, let's read this part together because this is so encouraging to us when we face our problems and to have God's perspective. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a great promise from God? That's the perspective he wants us to have. Not get caught up in all the problems we face because if God could see all that we go through and tell us, I can cause all these things to work together for good to those who love me and are called according to his purpose, why wouldn't we trust in him? That's the eyes that he wants us to have. That's the eyes that are able to see. Amen. You close your Bibles. Put away your notes. We're going to close going to invite up the worship team. I know for some of us, we have a hard time because we see our bills being paid. We, we struggle with our finances. And so it's like once we pay our bills, where did my paycheck go? It's gone before we get it. So we struggle with that. We struggle with relationships, our, our setbacks in marriages, children, parents, debt, finding a home, addictions. We have all of these different setbacks or stress or even thinking about no one cares. But we got to remember God is bigger than all of our problems. He is much bigger than the problems we face. So when he gives us wisdom, don't hide that wisdom. Don't be ashamed of him. Just live for him as best as possible. Let it shine. Develop that healthy perspective. And that's the perspective God wants us to have. A perspective that says, my God, can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's his perspective. May that be ours. Do you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer?
Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you have given us your perspective, or at least a beginning point, a starting point on how to have eyes that see, but not eyes that see or exist, but eyes that see from your perspective. And so help us to develop that kind of perspective that you have, to remember that you're bigger than any problems we face. And as we develop this healthy perspective, everything in our life becomes that much healthier. I pray for those this morning, Lord, that maybe, maybe they've, never, they've never come to you. They've never brought their perspective to you or tried to have a different perspective. But you have given us free life. And you believe in us so much that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Your perspective was looking out for our very best. You, Lord, don't look for the worst in us. You look for the very best and that's what you see, and you want to bring that out. So if there's anyone here this morning, and you're saying, I want Jesus in my heart. I've never said yes to him. I've been checking things out, but I, I want to give my heart to him. I just don't know what to do or how to do that. Well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and this prayer is a prayer of salvation. It'll help you as you begin your walk with Jesus, because it's going to require his strength and his spirit. And he says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And if that's you and you're saying, I want Jesus in my heart, would you just lift a hand real briefly? And you're saying, I want to live for Jesus. I want that eternal life. Yeah, God sees you. God bless you right here, right there, right here. Okay, God sees you right here, right there, right here. Okay, God sees you back there. God sees you. Yeah, he believes in you. He wants to bring out the best in you. Back there, back there. God sees you. Yep. It's his promise to you. He'll work all things together for good. God sees you too. To those who love God, you put your hands down. As we pray this prayer together, it'll help our perspective. Even if you've prayed this prayer a thousand times, it's the best perspective to have. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me eternal life and a better perspective. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen, amen.